The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another V Brown Bag. Tonight, we have Richard Kenyon presenting on VCA, VCSA Migration Lessons Learned. Just a couple quick housekeeping notes before we get started, though. This is a live show, and we want you to get in and interact with us. You can tweet us at the hashtag VBrownBag, or you can ask your questions during the presentation in the chat box on GoToWebinar. Uh, reminder that we have other shows besides this one, so make sure you check out the schedule and find out which one works for you and anything that you'd like to attend, feel free to register. I'm your host tonight, Ken Nalbone, and as I mentioned before, presenting tonight is Richard Kenyon. Say hello, Richard. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I'm gonna go ahead and hand presenter control over to you now, and it will be all you. All right, may the monitor gods be with us. Show you did. my screen to, all righty, view presentation. There we go. Okay, hi, everybody. All right, here we go. Um, my name is Richard Kenyon. Uh, I've been in the IT industry for about 20 years at this point. And I, last summer, had worked for a company called Cinecore um, that is based in Buffalo, New York, for about six years. And one of our main projects was to bring up everything that we possibly can to 6.5U1. And that's what I am going to walk through and kind of give you guys a rundown of what we did in our environment, how it looked beforehand, how it looked during, uh, some of the tricks that I used to get there, and kind of the whole project that I went through. So the goals that my company had at the time um, was to have minimal VM downtime. Uh, Cinecore is a service provider and it needed to make sure that we had very few VM reboots across the environment in order for this project to take place. We did have a lot of different uh, overlapping um, SLAs because we were multi-tenants, so the least amount of scheduling would be the simplest way to go. Uh, as we went through, we decided we wanted to do feature parity across what we refer to as our empire. Uh, the new abilities at the time were encryption for vMotion, uh, containers with uh, VMware's integrated container solution for our developers, and the biggest one to our internal team was HA's orchestrated restart. Uh, this way we could uh, make sure that uh, all of our databases, our DNS servers, uh, DHCP servers, and uh, Puppet servers all came up in the proper order which previously was handled manually. Uh, we did have a variety of different authentication methods that we were using, so this allowed us to collapse everything into a single way to do it through um, the SSO for vSphere. Uh, also, this gained us Active Directory logon ability. Uh, we decreased our non-VMware troubleshooting time sinks, so we didn't have to worry about having any Oracle DBs, SQL DBs. We didn't have to worry about Windows patching. We didn't have to worry about any of the less than VMware troubleshooting methods that we had to worry about previously, and that saved us a whole bunch of time as time went on. Uh, we also wanted to remove our tech debt. Every time uh, Cinecore got a new project, we ended up opening a new data center for certain clients, 
and that resulted in you know slightly different configurations, slightly different versions, slightly different settings. You know, as time went on, things started to drift quite readily, and we wanted to take this opportunity to just standardize everything. And the favorite part of this, obviously, was the HTML5 client that VMware has been pushing for the past few years, and now as of 6.7 U1 is, I think, 100% parity. So once we or my X team is able to update that, they'll be in a much better shape than they were. So our empire looked like this before we started. Um, we had a total of eight different data centers. We had um, a total of four and a half petabytes of NetApp and uh, NFS and fiber connection. Um, VMs totaled about 4,500, and 95% of those were all Linux-based on CentOS. Uh, the total count of ESX hosts were about 200. And as you are taking a second to go over this little thing, we had Windows 2003 servers, we had Windows 2008 servers, we had one BCSA that was um, in play for a development environment as we started to get closer and closer to the end portion of this project. And if you look in the very bottom right-hand corner, you will actually see we had a Windows 2008 DNS server that was running Hyper-V, that was running DHCP, that was running our vCenter, that was also running Oracle. So we had a physical server running our DNS that had Hyper-V on it that was running our vCenter, and we really didn't know about it for about three years because it was a project that had been started and fallen off as time went on, and nobody bothered to let anybody know. And the project was actually auto-deploy, which at the time required its own domain controller and own domain to set up. So if you've ever run into that situation, that was less than fun. Uh, as time went on, we obviously had to get rid of that, and we really wanted to move to something that was not such a, a mess, and this is what we ended up with. We ended up with one single sign-on domain, which was enhanced link mode, which was just one vCenter and one PSC pointing to each other and then replicating through the whole thing. And this simplified our environment considerably. Um, at the time, we needed to do an external PSC, but we did not go the crazy route of doing load balancing in HA and things like that because our sites were very independent of each other and it wasn't that big of a deal if we lost one because the management plane was only encompassed about 10 employees and myself and, and my partner included so everything was kind of very simplified but at the same time it's gotten a lot simpler with 6.7 because you can now once you update to 6.7 you one use the converge tool and kind of get rid of all the PSCs and then your vCenters are just replicating to each other. But that wasn't in the scope of this project and we had to go through the supported topology of what VMware wanted us to do. Let's see, make sure you have notes. As we went on, how do you get there? The biggest thing about moving legacy infrastructure is if you had 4.1 and 5.0 and 5.5 installs through out your different setups. You couldn't really use the VCSA tool because it was designed to move 5.5 Windows vCenters to the VCSAs. So if you had anything before 5.5, you kind of had to either do a clean rebuild or try to hobble things together by upgrading one thing to 5.0 to 5.1 to 
five five and then do it and you can take your pick of which one was better but for us we wanted to kind of start from scratch so a new greenfield was the way to go but again we didn't want to downtime everything and we wanted to make sure that things were kind of moving along as they went so you're then tied by what ties you to a vCenter without disconnecting your hosts. And that would clearly be uh, DB switches if you deployed them. So our whole environment was set up with when, uh, DB switches across the versions of 5.0, 5.1. And in order to get the hosts while to keep running the VMs, you obviously have to be on standard switches. In order to do that across 200 hosts, how do you do it without doing it manually? And the answer is uh, PowerCLI. So to start with, you need to export everything in your environment for any project that you do. Uh, we exported our DRS rules, we exported our network info. Um, thanks to a loop D script, we ended up uh, exporting all of our VMware folder structure. And in our environment, we didn't have many permissions, but if you do have permissions, there are PowerCLI scripts out there to handle that for you. The Another thing that we used was RV tools. Sorry if I didn't mention that already. Uh, that's one of the best freeware tools out there for uh, virtual infrastructure environment, along with the very handy VCheck, which I'm sure everybody listening in is familiar with. So once we've exported all that stuff, we then have to figure out how exactly do we get the DV switches to our V switches. And again, the answer is PowerCLI. We had eight connections on our HP hosts because we were running a legacy infrastructure of one gig. So we had one DV switch per vCenter that all of our hosts connected to, and we did odds and evens for making sure that we had active standbys. So what we ended up doing was we took our even network adapters, created a new vSwitch, created all port groups, migrated the VM kernels and the VM NICs on the evens to the new standard switches, then moved our VM networks over, then moved our VM kernels over, then moved the remainder of the VM NICs over and ended up removing the DV switch while still retaining network connectivity. At that point, you can then disconnect your ESXi hosts from your old vCenters and reconnect them to your new stand, your new vCSA um, vCenters. Uh, the catch here is if you do this and then you go to the new vCenter, if you don't want to use VUM because it ended up getting rebuilt in 6.7, we chose we didn't want to try to go through the bridge of doing that. Uh, VUM won't be available to you to get up to the newer versions, so you have to use PowerCLI, which I'll show you in a minute. Uh, let's see, move it along here. What we ended up finding, though, as we went along, we ended up hitting some gotchas. Uh, to start with, if you have a slash in your DB switch group port group names, it's actually entered into the VCDB as a percent %2F, and it royally screws up any PowerShell scripts that you actually want to run, because certain commandlets like get DB switch and get VD port group commandlets return it, but when you're working with the get virtual port group commandlet, when you go to search your DB switch names, it actually doesn't return the slash. So as you're writing and migrating and moving your port groups around, that actually creates a huge headache. And it's best if you just go through manually and just ended up removing it. It took me 10 minutes to do like 60 different networks and just, you know, F2 on each name and go down through the line. 
as you're doing this, um, we actually got a little bit of a header of ourselves, uh, and we actually forgot to check the compatibility matrix, and our 5.0 hosts couldn't go into a vCenter 6.5, only a 6.0 and lower. So we actually ended up having to make a double jump where we ended up making a brand new temp vCenter just to get the hosts off the old Windows version into a new 6.0, run the Power CLI uh, script that I'll show you for HP to get the hosts up to 5.5, and then you can move the 5.5 hosts into 6.5, and then you're all set. But that was a oopsie onto our part. We got way too excited, and we ended up needing to do kind of a double jump that took a little bit of a weekend to do, but all in all, it was fine. Another thing that caught us was um, our Gen 9s for HP's DL360 line do not like ESXi 5.0. Uh, we ended up installing it fine when we had a new set of hosts come into our older infrastructure before the project started, and we wanted to do like-to-like. -like. And when we installed ESXi, everything went fine, all our tests went fine, and we just rolled them into production a little too quickly. And we've discovered that when you turn EBC mode on, on an Intel DL360 Gen 9, a VM can vMotion onto the machine just fine, but it actually can't vMotion off the machine. And in this case, it was the only downtime in our environment we had to do. We actually had to turn the VMs off in a maintenance window, rebuild the host to 5.5 and bring them back in. But they were kind of a standalone for a few weeks before we can continue on in the project. Uh, if anybody else is out there in that situation, just gotta make sure that uh, everything is actually working as designed as it's a little bit of a troubleshooting headache and when you're not aware of what's going on. Uh, and that was a whoopsie on our part, but it happens, life goes on and we took care of it. But I'd like to share it with you because it's kind of a funny thing that happened. Uh, as we were moving along, we saw the new VCSA 6.5 has a backup and restore feature. However, it's got an undocumented UI error that is, uh, I'm assuming, now fixed in 6.7 and forward. Uh, when you restore via the protocol of SCP, you need a double forward slash after the server name, and that allows SCP's protocol to connect to your backup and then restore it. Uh, we're not sure why we didn't catch that, but it was a good few hours of trying to figure out what that line was wanting us to do, and I ended up finding it on the lovely VMware community site. So let me show you some Power CLI scripts just to show you how we ended up getting there. And I clicked one slide too far. We'd just like to pause the broadcast now so everybody can admire your wallpaper too. Oh, yes, yes. And if anybody can identify that wallpaper, please do so on Twitter, because Ken didn't know it, but I, I know it. I did not. I won't spoil it. Uh, so here are the steps of um, things that I ended up kind of compiling from the internet and over the V community site. And I found that as I was doing this and searching through this, actually, before I continue, I'm assuming everybody can see the code that's on my screen right now. Yeah, we can see it. Okay, just making sure. What I ended up finding was that, you know, yes, there's all these different ways you can migrate to the new version of these centers. There's all these different ways that you can migrate your pieces of your environment, but there was nothing that actually was doing what I was trying to do, which was taking a legacy DB switch infrastructure, 
keeping it up as best as possible and flinging it to standard switches and then moving it to a newbie center and then upgrading your hosts and doing all the little pieces that I just couldn't find in one spot. So I found um, a website called Gabe's Virtual World and I don't think this gentleman is on Twitter. If he was, I would easily point him out. But I grabbed his script that was also pieces of other scripts. As you can see, Loopy was one of them. And what this set of scripts starts to do is it looks at your DB switch, grabs all of the port group names, makes a new standard switch, and then takes all of the names, exports them to an Excel sheet so you have them, and then recreates them on a vSwitch. It's pretty simple, but it was something that was a little bit beyond my scripting ability that I kind of went through and modified and made sure it was working correctly. You can do it by cluster if you want to. You can do it by single vCenter or multi vCenter. It works with multiple DV switches if you have them per cluster, like in some larger, more complex environments. And it worked brilliantly uh, the eight times that I used it. I didn't have a problem with it at all. And the best thing about this little script here is it dumps everything to Excel and it doesn't actually change anything that would require downtime or it would require a change control for whatever company you happen to be on or be working for because all it's doing is reading a bunch of DV switch port group names and making the same port group names on a V switch without any VM mix involved. It ended up being a quick little prep work piece that uh, we did and it worked out great. The next step is now that you have a V switch with um, your properly named port groups that are roughly exactly similar to your old ones, is you can now actually move your VM NICs. And this again was uh, by the lovely William Lamb. I'm sure everybody on this uh, broadcast knows who he is. And he's got a nice little script that does part of what I was looking for, where it takes a distributed switch and flings it over to a standard switch. And then also he's got one that goes back again. And I went through and I cleaned up a little bit of what he was doing. It took me maybe 10, 15 minutes because he's got everything so wonderfully structured. Set up your um, VM kernel names that you're going to use. Select your cluster. Select your array. Um, I chose to modify his script and do, as I said, the evens because we had um, eight NICs in our environment. Uh, we chose to do the evens first just in case. Um, move everything over, and now after this script is run, our environment was running at, you know, our VMs were still on the DV switch, our VM kernels were still on the DV switch, but we moved the VM NICs, half of them, onto the standard switch, so then we can populate as you go down, you can move your VM NICs at this last line, which is right here, and he set it up in an array, and it works absolutely brilliantly. I couldn't have done any of this project without this little piece. So that's step two. Step three is now that you have some uh, VM NICs that have VM kernels on them, now we actually get to move the VMs over. And this one was again for uh, Gabe's virtual world that I mentioned earlier. And I also used uh, another script that again, this gentleman isn't on Twitter. I don't even know his name, but I have the website linked because it was so helpful and everything is up on my GitHub page, which I'll show everybody later. So this one just takes all of the port groups, flings them on over, and moves your VMs over, and just, it does this a slow way, because I had 2,500 VMs in my environment. You can do this 
all at once. I chose to do it with a printout and doing it each by one cluster, one host, one VM at a time, and then for each VM, your each VM adapter. You can do this with a different set of PowerCLI commandlets, but it's honestly a little scary to me just to hit F5 and all of a sudden your entire environment moves all at once. I wanted to actually do it piece by piece, and it was just a little bit of a comfort for me and the level of scripting involved in this, and that's what this line is actually doing right here. Everything gets dumped out to Excel, and the cool thing about this script is you can actually reverse it. So if you come uncomment out, these two lines here flip them around you can actually when you're done and in your new v centers and you want to go back to a dv switch you actually just flip this line around and it takes all your standard port group names and it puts them back on a dv switch which you do all these steps in reverse which was a big thing for us because we were so standardized so now that we've got all of our vms and all of our vm kernels running on a standard switch for a host, then you would disconnect and reconnect to your other one and then now start, oops, sorry, I missed the spot. You have all of your hosts running four NICs on a standard switch. You have all your VM kernels on your hosts running on a standard switch. And now you need to disconnect and remove the remainder of the odd VM NICs from your distributed switch that you're getting rid of to the standard switch that you're going to be using. And again, back to William Lamb's script is it's just the same thing. It just flings it over and moves the rest of all your stuff over, which is absolutely wonderful. And then now, and that's this one. And then here's the folder script that I mentioned, which is uh, straight from loop D. It's one of the most phenomenal scripts I've ever seen. And it's really tiny. If you organize or do any quota-based uh, coding outside of vCenter based on your folders, it literally puts out an Excel sheet that says, here's where all of my VMs live in the root folder, and here's all the subfolders that they belong to, and here it is in Excel format. And then you just pick it up and you move it, and then when you're in your new data center or your new vCenter, you just run the import of that, and it puts everything back together. And I even timed this. It took nine hours to run on our old development machine, and it moved 900 VMs. It ran over the weekend. And when I came in Monday morning, my quotas were working correctly for our you know, custom-grown quotas set up through Putty. But it just takes a little bit of a while, but it does it automatically and just runs. And the, obviously, the less VMs and the less folders you have, the faster it'll go. And then... Now we can disconnect our VMs from our scroll faster. There you go. And I just set up a little bit of a script to disconnect your VMs from your old vCenter and just import them into your new vCenter with however passwords you want to use and things like that. Um, I'm doing a disconnect for each vCenter because I was doing multiple ones and it's just a very basic script that pretty much anybody's seen and it can just be run as is with uh, clear credentials or a credential file. And this made moving hosts over you know, a three o'clock maintenance window a lot easier than trying to manually disconnect and reconnect them. And then once you have everything in your new vCenter, 
you can start updating your hosts to the newer version. Uh, we went with updates instead of rebuilds because that's the supported way for VMware to do it. And I've never really had any problems beforehand. So I ended up using, why did I, that's not what I think. Sorry, there we go. So I pulled some stuff from Luke D, who has a very good explanation of how to do the version two of the ESX CLI and um, a couple of other blogs here that I just kind of have as reference and you can see them when you download the code yourselves. Uh, you have an interactive host selection area if you want to do them one at a time. If you don't want to do manual maintenance mode in your vCenters by itself, you can set your script to do that. And then you just got to build out your profiles for whichever custom flavor of ISO that you're working with and just kind of fill in the blanks as you go along. I actually had to fix the HP bundle because as everybody's aware, HP's quality control is top notch all the time. You never have any issues with it until every version you have after 5.5 has got a broken driver in it from QLogic. So yay. So this actually allows you to go through and show you which ones I fixed and which ones I didn't. Uh, they said every flavor of the vendors is going to be a little bit different for that line. Uh, I've got dry run set to true so it'll bail if you have a failure in there or if you have a custom VIB or a set of uh, VIBs from a previous install from many moons ago. Again, we're talking about legacy infrastructure, so that's actually in the ballpark of happening. And then uncomment a few lines and it just does the install, uh, does the reboot, and then catches if, if for some reason the reboot fails. And I did not drop it out to an Excel file. Um, I just did everything at the command prompt as my scripting is not that advanced, but it can be kind of set up and suited to however anybody else needs it. And that is about it. I would show you my lab, except I just got a brand new one and it's sitting in a box after I decomped my IBM Blade Centers. And yes, I've got Blade Centers in my house that are no longer used. So I would love to take questions and let everybody, you know, kind of poke and prod at this and kind of figure out how it worked for your environment. Um, we really worked hard on this and I wanted to make sure that I tried to share it as best I could with the community because if it was a problem that I had, it was probably a problem that somebody else had encountered at some point. Um, I would love to open up for questions now. I'll let anybody who has one go ahead and type them in the question box if they, if they want. And while we're waiting on them, I'll, I'll have a few of my own. For starters, how on earth did you run blade centers on your house without the noise just driving everybody mad? That was one of the reasons I stopped. Uh, we recycled a data center and I was lucky enough uh, with some of the developers I had worked with to grab a few of them and set them up. I actually, when I remodeled my house, uh, my wife was more than generous enough to let me run a blade center in my basement for about two years learning about IBM's hardware. I've got actually an L530 and an L630 connection with some PDUs down here that takes care of all the power if anybody was wondering. Okay, and then another question that I have before we get to the audience questions. Um, you mentioned that you have a lot of this up on GitHub. Can you tell us where to find your GitHub repo? I would love to do that. I got to flip my view on my screen again. That is my GitHub. Uh, very simple. Um, everything that if you want to find and talk to me, uh, I'm a Buffalo VMUG co-leader, I'm a V-expert, uh, everything, and just search Richard Kenyon, you'll find me one way or another, either LinkedIn, Twitter, Gmail, and GitHub is all Richard Kenyon, so it's very easy to find and no handles that are all different for each one. Great. 
All right, we got a couple questions coming in from the audience now. First one is from, and I'm sorry if I don't get your name right, Mamo Tesfaye wonders, are you doing LACP? We were not, no. Um, our network infrastructure at the time was just kind of bare bones. We actually were running one gigabit NFS for many, many moons, and we did not have the ability to take advantage of LACP. So this script does not take that into account at all. We just had two storage vMotion networks and two vMotion networks, sorry, we had two vMotion networks and one storage network that were all VLAND. So when we went to do vMotions or host maintenance modes or host failures for HA reboots, we actually had uh, the ability to do eight vMotions at a time per host instead of the standard four. That was our very basic LACP, but we found we never needed it in our environment for the level of traffic we were doing. Very good. Okay, so you've shared your GitHub, you've shared all your links of where we can find you. So anybody who has more questions, feel free to reach out to Richard on, on Twitter. I don't see any more coming in right now. A few comments, uh, people basically sharing their stories and saying thank you and they enjoyed it. So thank you oh, very good. much for sharing, Richard. Oh, no problem at all. I said I, I really enjoy sharing and giving back to the community because I really couldn't do half my job without looking at Google and everybody else's websites. And as Kyle Ruddy says, I'm not stealing, I'm borrowing. <laughs> That's right. Hey, good good artists borrow, great artists steal, right? Exactly. There you go. Except you attributed others, which I guess is not stealing. So you're at least a good you know, artist, I, right? I'm trying. I always try to give back to people because I've never tried to pawn off very hard work that I did myself. I just kind of put all the puzzle pieces together. I'm not a developer by any stretch of the imagination, but I can put scripts together and they work very well. Very good. I'm uh, just checking the question box a couple more times, just seeing a lot of thanks and people relating to your story. So I think that that should do it. I'm going to go ahead and stop recording. Thanks very much, Richard. And good night, oh, everyone. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So long.